Hello, everyone. It's David Wernch. Thanks again for joining me. This is the Authentic Dad Podcast. Fascinating conversation today with Dave Berman. Dave is a coach. Dave is certified in what's called laughter yoga. And we have a really interesting conversation about the importance of laughter and playfulness and how he helps people um, and coaches people through his own unique blend of laughter yoga. He also has this thing called a laughter gym on Facebook, which I think you'll find fascinating. And finally, we talk about Fish, the band, and how I met Dave and um, his interview with Trey Anastasio many years ago in 1995. So stick around for that. I hope you're safe and well and healthy. Please consider giving us, me, a five-star review. Uh, if you want to reach out, I'm at furthur.coach. That's further.coach with a U. If you have feedback, if you need support, if you're a father or non-father and um, are interested in coaching, I provide that. We want to inspire fathers and non-fathers to live their most authentic life on their terms, whatever that means means for them. Please consider giving us a five-star review. It really helps. And wherever you are, I hope you're safe, well, and healthy, and we will see you on the other side. All right. I'm here with... Dave Berman. And Dave, if you don't mind, I'm going to read your bio before we start. Thank you very much for doing this. Dave Berman is an innovator in the fields of coaching and hypnosis. He bridges the two with exploration of intentional laughter, which he's been practicing every day since 2011. This led to nearly three and a half year daily video series, world travel, countless in-person and online laughter sessions, and many training programs, classes, webinars and books, and um, we'll put this in the show notes. Your website is um, DaveBermanCoaching.com. Thanks, Dave, for coming on the podcast. Thank you, David. I appreciate the invitation. I just want to let everyone know I came upon you. You know how I came upon you in a very cool way. I guess you were in, what, college in Binghamton? No, I, I went to oh, Cornell University in Ithaca, Cornell. but then my first job after college was in Binghamton. Okay. So what we're like, what, 1995, you're in Binghamton. Were you working for a radio station? Yeah, at the time I was the overnight DJ at WKGB. And Fish was in town for uh, some of my listeners are, are familiar with the, the Fish. And <laughs> actually, you wouldn't have known this at the time, of course. You get to interview Trey, and it turns out to be one of the, you know, I think it was the first official live fish release it may have been a sort of now famous show and tell the story about that but we, we're not going to talk about fish the whole time but i just would love to hear how that came about well it was just part of my job you know i was uh part of the staff i was on the air every day but i was also a fish fan which at the time was not so common in radio i guess because they weren't being played on a lot of radio stations, but I was always advocating for playing them and we did play them some. And so it was just, I, I was the obvious choice to be the one to interview Trey before the show. And about a year and a half prior, when they had come to town, I interviewed Fishman, the drummer before the show. So it was just part of my job, but it was mm -hmm. a super great, exciting highlight of my job. And then did, did you want me to say about what happened well, the 25 years? Yeah, because it was <laughs> just recently unearthed, right? Was it not? Yeah. So, you know, December 14th, 
1995. This was the show that you just alluded to as being kind of a historic show that started a long string of uh, live releases, official live albums from the band. So it was before that show, you know, we didn't know it was going to turn into this legendary performance. But before that show, I interviewed Trey live on the air. And then just uh, at the beginning of 2020, when I was I was back in New York and I was getting near the end of helping my dad uh, empty and sell his house after my mom had passed and it had taken us a really long time because my mom was a hoarder. Yeah. She just, she just had so much stuff. And at the very, very end, one of the final things that I came across was a, a cassette tape. It wasn't even labeled. Mm -hmm. And it had this interview with Trey on it that I hadn't heard in, you know, 25 years. And I, I was so excited to find it. And I knew that I had to make it available to the fish fan community. And that the time to do it would be on the 25th anniversary of this show. So, wow. I, so I hung on to it and, and then I just recently made it available through fish.net along with a, a new essay that I wrote kind of reflecting on the experience and how I came to find the tape. And it had a bit to do with my relationship with my dad, which is, I think, why you reached out to me. Yeah, and I, I guess probably at the time, the only way you could have heard that is if you were listening to the radio while that was interview was happening. Well, certainly live, yeah. Mm -hmm. We didn't have live streaming in 1995. Right. However, uh, do you, you know nugs.net? Yes. Yep. You say, of course, right? You yeah. want to say, of course, but not, not everybody yeah. knows yeah, so about Nugs.net. Nugs. Right? Yes, I'm very familiar. Um, for those who are not, it's what? A, a live music archive, let's say, of um, not just jam bands, but a lot of a lot of jam, 20, thousands and thousands and thousands of performances that you can subscribe to, download. It's a wonderful site for those who don't know it. The founder of that site, Brad Serling, yep. uh, was a fraternity brother of mine in college. Yeah. He he was the first one uh, that I listened to Fish with, you know, back in 1992, and mm -hmm. he has long been a pioneer with digital digital online audio. Yeah. And so when I was a, a DJ after college, and he was getting started on his career. He actually set me up to do what was claimed at the time was the first online interactive radio show. Hmm. And I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I've always been a little skeptical. It's not something that I've run around claiming, although I have this newspaper article from Binghamton that, mm -hmm. you know, made a big deal about the launch of my online radio show and being the first one in the world. And, um, Interesting. In, any, in any case, it, the show was called The Delivery Room where the classics of tomorrow are born. And uh, <laughs> it's been a long time since the show was on the air. You know, it started on the radio and then uh, Brad put it online as well. And so on his very original, you know, hobbyist fan based version of nugs.net before it became this big commercial enterprise working with, you know, bands, from fish to Metallica and everyone in between, um, you know, he was, he, he just had this archive of mm -hmm. his personal recordings. He's a taper, you know, he went to hundreds of dead shows and fish shows. And so he just had this 
website for that. And he created space within that for my radio show. And the interview with Trey and the one from the year before with Fishman, both were available on there for a while, Mm -hmm. but eventually, you know, his site evolved, obviously became this massive commercial enterprise. And I don't know what happened to the recordings and neither does he, we tried to track them down and they, you know, he he just doesn't have lost to history until the cassette. Yeah. Right. Until, you know, my mom's hoarding, um, (laughs) allowed me to reclaim this piece of not only my life and my past career in radio, but a little piece of, of fish, lore and history well it was a wonderful interview and it's you know i'm sure a thrill and and it was about 12 or 13 minutes i loved it it was just for us fans just gold so thank you (laughs) thank you very very much um so let what have you been doing since then (laughs) oh you know just hanging out trying to see live music whenever i can yeah Um, Yeah, so anyway, so the point of the story is, so I see this article and I'm very intrigued and it's so cool. And I'm listening. And then I said, oh, he's a, a laughter coach now. Yeah. Now, yeah. And I said, and I've heard of that. I've heard of laughter yoga. And I reached out and that's, that's how, here we are. So I do want to hear your story since then, how you came about doing this, what this is, so on and so forth. So a- after that, that gig at the radio station what what next well my career in radio lasted for 10 years and then i i left upstate new york i moved out to the bay area for the tail end of the dot-com boom Mm -hmm. i ended up getting married and moving further north in california to humboldt county and starting starting a a business with my now ex-wife so we had this manufacturing company and then after we split up uh, we kept working together another couple of years, and then I eventually sold her my half of the business and just took some time to kind of discover where life would point me next. And that turned out to be uh, hypnotherapy and coaching. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been in practice since uh, the fall of 2010. And around the same time that I went into practice as a coach and hypnotherapist, I also started attending laughter yoga classes and it was kind of a fun community hobby and a form of exercise at first you know that's how a lot of people experience it but for me i really got swept up in what laughter was helping me discover about myself and about life and so i started laughing every day on my own and really kind of deepening my exploration which then fed into my work with clients. And so laughter and hypnosis began to appear to have a lot of parallels to me. And and that's really where the whole next chapter of of life took off for me. And for those, including myself, who have never been to a laughter yoga class, tell us, because I guess it is what it says, but from what I've read, can you give us a little more context? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, it, it's actually not exactly what it sounds like. It's a very playful and childlike way of interacting with other people. You know, we uh, use eye contact and a lot of uh, 
kind of scripted, but but at the same time spontaneous ways of of moving and uh, storytelling and imitating different kinds of situations in life, all while laughing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not about stretching and posing like traditional forms of yoga, but the laugh comes from the belly. It comes from deep breathing. Uh, and this is why it's called laughter yoga. Okay. Cause I was picturing people like doing yoga poses and then somehow them blending in laughter exercises with that, but no, that's not no, what it is. It's, yeah. it's really, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a playful way of exploring breath and sound. And that's mm-hmm. how I like to describe it now, like a noisy and fun meditation. But this is after 10 years of doing this every day and incorporating it into my work and writing books and traveling the world. And the laughter work that I do now has transcended laughter yoga. I've kind of declared independence from laughter yoga Mm -hmm. so that I can continue to innovate and do my own thing with laughter, which, uh, you know, nowadays includes daily Zoom sessions called laughter gym. Okay. Yeah, I saw. I did I took a look at some of the videos. Very interesting, and you know, it's 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 like laughter as a practice. Okay, which is fascinating because of, of course people who have never heard of this think, well, isn't that a spontaneous thing? How can this be a practice? So tell me. I'm sure that comes up, right? Like, how can I fake laugh? Or what if the whatever we're doing isn't funny? Like, what's the point? Am I still getting the benefit? Tell tell me you know, a little bit about that because I'm sure that's a thing. Yeah, it's a common question and it's really both simple and, you know, kind of deeply mysterious for people to discover that actually babies all around the world laugh even before they learn to speak their native tongue and even before they have the intellectual capacity to understand what makes something funny. So that means we're all born with laughter inside us. And we don't need jokes and comedy and humor to bring the laughter out. The laughter is already there. We can just choose to allow it out as mm-hmm. part of our breath. It's just laughter is the sound of joyful breathing. Ah, uh, that's so cool. So with without those kind of external conditions. We just look to the breath, we make sounds, we might move and be playful and interact in different ways. And that's, you know, that's laughter yoga. For me, what I've seen is that in addition to the many health benefits from laughing, the natural automatic changes that occur for us physiologically, chemically, neurologically, that it's also hypnotic. And by that, I mean, when we get into laughing and, and just the, the breath and sound and just keep at it, you know, like even for a couple of minutes, but longer is better. The conscious filter of thought just kind of evaporates. And mm-hmm. this, is what, this is what hypnosis is. You know, we, we get focused on something internal and our awareness of the external just fades away. And so we become able to recognize and notice things that are there inside us that we just don't always notice. 
that's what makes hypnotherapy useful. There's, there's things about ourselves that are already happening that we just don't seem to have a, awareness of consciously. So when the conscious mind, that filter is out of the way, we become able to notice and access and better understand this inner world that we have. So laughter's, laughter's been uh, a fabulous vehicle for, for that. Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking of if I'm, not me or anybody, anxious, stressed, um, I'm looping in some way. That's a trance, you know, that's sort of a uh -huh. trance. And, and this... Mm -hmm. You know, anyone who's ever laughed in their world knows that it's a, it changes your state, but it really kind of flips you out of that trance. Um, but I think what's unique about it is that this that you can do it as a practice, that it can be intentional. Um, you you did mention. Let's touch on a little bit about because I know there's been scientific research of oh, yeah. the the health benefits and that kind of um, what does it do for us physiologically. Well, the first thing that most people notice when they spend time laughing is that they feel lighter, their spirit is lifted. And one of the things that occurs physiologically that accounts for this is the reduction in cortisol levels. Cortisol is the stress hormone. So our stress just automatically drops when we laugh. So we feel lighter, of course. And then there's all these happy hormones that get produced in the brain, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. So we're, we're talking about pleasure and the receptivity to learning. And we're talking about a sense of connection, being bonded with the people you laugh with. Oxytocin is the bonding hormone. Mamas produce it when they're breastfeeding. We all create it when we're hugging or otherwise intimate with people. You know, serotonin is associated with mood, endorphins are associated with energy and pain reduction. So these things just naturally automatically occur when we laugh. I'm thinking about like, if you ever watch interviews with the Dalai Lama or any mm -hmm. of the Zen Buddhists, they're always laughing. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's like they knew, you know, that and whether maybe they're doing it on purpose or not, but there's this, this, they seem to be doing it to me, like intentionally as, um, as, as almost as you're doing as a practice, what, um, what kind of like, for example, someone comes to you and, um, what formal, what if any like formal practices, how, like, what do you, how do you start with someone who says, who comes for coaching hypnosis, your unique blend of all that, like where do you start? Let's say someone comes and says, I'm burnt out. Um, life has gotten really serious and stressful. And I have this sort of weight of work and family. And, you know, I could, I, I could use a little coaching and laughter. And how do you work with someone like that? Well, the very first thing that I do with anybody is to listen. Mm -hmm. I want to get their world. I want to understand how they're making sense of their experience of life and what their understanding is about how thought is influencing and, and really shaping and defining and creating even their whole perception of their experience. And 
So the conversation begins right. and the laughter is just going to emerge. Like for me, it may have started as a practice, but now it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just woven in. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to look at breath. And if, if we're past that, you know, kind of introduction, um, getting to know what's happening for a person and it's like, okay, so you, you know, you want to laugh or you've come to me just specifically for laughing and we don't even really need to get into your whole story. Mm -hmm. The first thing is gonna be just a few deep breaths where on the exhale, make the sound ha. We can do this together, David. Just take a deep breath in. I was afraid you were gonna do that. <laughs> what, are you, what are you afraid of? <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing. Okay, exhale. All right, ready? Ha. Yeah. <sighs> Again. I'm already laughing at, 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 the, at the sort of funniness of, of, trying to, of trying to laugh. Because I always thought, as a person who's not studies comedy, but did the little stand-up comedy, that a lot of laughter and comedy comes from pain. And you're, you're, not, you're coming from a whole different direction um in that no you what did you call it this um about the breathing what did you what was your quote i love the laughter is the sound of joyful breathing joyful breathing yeah like yeah that. yeah so um, we're just making sound and you stay with it um you don't mm -hmm. you don't say i'm really laughing now ha 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 and you're not forcing yourself to laugh you're not making yourself laugh you're actually allowing the laughter that's already inside you that's always been there that you have unconditional access to in unlimited amounts you're just allowing it to come out did, did you um sort of self-taught or did you go to like formal laughter yoga school or trainings or was it just the classes that you went to so what um had you know this is, seems like you're 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 a masterful um, laughter coach. So how, how does one obtain the skills, let's say? So laughter yoga is practiced around the world. It was mm -hmm. created by Dr. Madan Kataria. He's a physician in India. I read that in about like 1995, I think. Right. So I was going to classes in uh, Northern California that are pretty, you know, pretty much like laughter yoga classes all over the world. But then, like I said, it was an, an entry point for me, like a portal to another whole mm. way of living that I had to go and explore on my own. And my own private exploration started to dovetail with my professional explorations. So I kept going to the laughter yoga club, you know, these weekly yeah. classes, which were great for socializing and for getting you know more familiar and comfortable with the exploration but really I needed to go on my own and explore in other ways beyond laughter yoga even from the early days but I uh, was part of this club you know a social club basically and then I did the certification training to be a laughter yoga leader which just meant that I could run those sessions and mm -hmm. so I did. And several years later, I, I went to India and trained with Dr. Kataria uh, mm. for the, the next certification, which is to be a laughter yoga teacher, which then 
entitled me to train new leaders. But by that point, my work had already evolved my understanding of laughter, my experience of laughter, the way I shared laughter so much that I'm grateful for the experience and for the training, but it was um, kind of a formality. It wasn't right. like, you know, as, as meaningful or as evolutionary to my life as, you know, what, what had emerged uh, already through, through what I was doing. And so, you know, I have these certifications that I've been trained in the laughter yoga method, but I've got 10 years now of daily laughter exploration. And I hosted a, a video series for three and a half years almost. That was every day. I laugh, I laugh with people from all 50 United States and 69 other countries. Wow. My, my trip to India started a, a world tour where I taught laughnosis trainings this is this hybrid blend of laughter and hypnosis that had emerged from my work and uh, that took me around australia all around the uk the netherlands germany and then eventually to vietnam where i thought i would just write my next book you know over over three months and then go back to traveling the world but i fell in love with Ho Chi Minh City, aka Saigon, and uh -huh. I ended up staying there almost two years. And you are in Australia now. I'm in Australia now. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what has it been like during the pandemic? As far as I mean, I would imagine some people are like, "What's there to laugh about?" You know, the world is in a really dark place people are dying i don't know if i want to laugh or i can or, or or if i can get there right now in my life would do you get some of that or not really by the time people connect with me they they realize something has to be different in their experience and one of my other common sayings is the more you laugh on purpose, the more life shows you reasons to laugh. Mm -hmm. So being able to take things less seriously, being able to brush off setbacks. And I don't mean to minimize the chaos and, and you know, uh, widespread death that's occurred all over the world yeah. from the pandemic. I mean, that's, that's happening and it's real and it's devastating to many families and all these economies around the world. But it doesn't change the fact that we're born with laughter inside us, right. that laughter is the sound of joyful breathing, and you can choose to focus on one breath at a time and yeah. let that sound come through you, come out from within you. I think if we frame it, or the way I'm framing it as, a, as an intentional practice, like a lot of intentional practices, yoga, qigong, meditation, that it's not like you're making fun of the world, but you're taking this, um, something that's really important and you said is innate, joyful breathing that we can really cultivate to benefit our lives. So I, I, I'm thinking it through that that's probably more of a helpful frame than what's there to laugh about. It's not really about what, what's funny and what's not funny. It's using, as you said, what's already there and kind of optimizing it and elevating it um, 
as as a practice and and what a fun way to make a living yeah you know the the way that you had framed that question the pandemic was never relevant because people prior to the pandemic had all the busyness of their lives they had all the stress that they were creating from the way that they viewed how their life is how their mind works what their responsibilities are anybody at any time prior to the pandemic could have said well what's there to laugh about i don't really feel like laughing the pandemic might have made more people sort of articulate this misunderstanding about laughter but it didn't change the nature of laughter nor the nature of thought in creating our experience and i always i always like to ask like what like who are your influences as far as you know books um comedians um philosophers obviously you love fish um and music who would you recommend to to sort of who inspires you as far as um wow okay the so art you, that you, you just yeah you, you okay so you asked a lot of questions yeah we'll take, so, answer uh, every any part you want yeah, I always right. like to get book recommendations and like, yeah, you know, who 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 inspired your thinking and the way you look at the world and things. Like that. Yeah, so I'll mention three books that have been the most impactful for me in my lifetime. So in two thousand eight, which was the last year that I was involved in the business partnership with my ex wife, mm-hmm. so I was beginning to kind of come out of this. I don't even know what to call it. I mean, I was devastated when when my marriage ended and yet had to keep working with her. And we had this very successful partnership, but I was struggling with mental health and physical health. And I came to the book, A New Earth by Eckhart Mm -hmm. Tolle. And that was the first book that opened me to meditation. And when I started to meditate and and, and, you know, really better understand how thought was responsible for everything that I was perceiving. My ability to calibrate my intensity finally emerged. Like up until that point, everybody I'd ever known would say, that dude is so intense. I've never met a person more intense than Dave Berman. Really? Wow. Up until that point. Interesting. And, and then A New Earth uh, introduced me to meditation and, and beginning to understand the nature of thought. And so that, that began to really change me. And then a few months later, I had posted a, a, an ad on Craigslist, like for, for a date, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, and I mentioned that book. And a woman responded to me and we went for coffee. And uh, it was the only time I ever met this, this person. I have not stayed in touch with her. I have no idea who she is, where she is. But she encouraged me to read the book Pronoia by Rob Bresny. I have not heard of that one. This book is responsible for my sort of setting aspirations for how I wanted to be in the world. I want to be a person who 
helps others recognize that the universe is conspiring on our behalf, that people yeah. everywhere are secretly plotting to do you good, that there's always another way of looking at things. And that if you're caught up in a story of you know, how much your life sucks or how much you're suffering, there's always another way of looking at it. And if yeah. we start with this premise that you know, life is fundamentally fun and we're made of love and we're all one having a perception of unique separate experiences these these kind of premises really profoundly influenced my willingness to let my playfulness show up and to bring you know kindness and generosity into all my interactions and so that set me on a on a course that is still showing up day by day and i still recommend this book all the time in fact i'm starting uh sometime in the spring of 2021 spring uh mm -hmm. in the u.s so probably maybe like march or so uh, we're going to be starting a pronoia study group or a book club or something i don't know exactly what it's going to be called yet but a, a whole bunch of my current clients who are part of the laughter gym um, have started reading this book. And so we've been talking about it a lot and I want to make something that's dedicated just to exploring pro -noia. And uh, is that, is that P R O N O I A? Like that's correct. A, yeah. a play on paranoia sort of exactly flipping the script, you know, instead of, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Very cool. So that's the second book that really profoundly changed my worldview and my experience of life. One other book that I want to mention is called Clarity. Just the one word, Clarity. It's written by Jamie Smart. And I came to that book, well, that book came to me uh, as it was being written. In, in 2012, Jamie was writing this book one chapter per week and putting out that new chapter as, as it was getting completed. So this was the first draft of the book. And he was originally calling it effortless evolution. Hmm. And it was about the, the nature of, of thought and mind and consciousness and where our experience of life really comes from. And so I was following him because he's a, a coaching trainer and, hmm. and, you know, his work has evolved over the years as mine has as well. Um, and, and I think it's common for coaches to experience kind of an evolution. So Jamie's evolution brought him from teaching hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, right. into this exploration of wh where he was coming from. It was originally called the three principles, thought, mind, and consciousness. And it also is known as the inside out understanding and and now through his work it's evolved to take on the name subtractive psychology huh. and so 2012 he did the first draft of that book 2013 clarity was published it was significantly different from effortless evolution um and and it was there uh that the the next sort of big leap occurred for me um in in my own understanding of, of, of thought of how thought is always 
responsible for what we're feeling. It just doesn't always seem like that. And so we get tricked by the mind. We get fooled into believing, you know, that thing that happened yesterday or when I was a kid or what might happen tomorrow or anything outside of us. The ego can trick us into blaming our feelings on, but it's always the way we're thinking about it that's responsible for I how love how we started just talking about laughter and now we're into subtractive psychology. Yeah, this there is what is, I do. You see. There's a lot of depth to to what you're doing. And I and I really, really like that. I appreciate that. Um, I think it's interesting. You said growing up or up until you read the Eckhart Tolle book, everyone said that you were the most intense person I've ever met. And then yeah. you went into laughter. <laughs> like where do, I'm just curious about that. Where does that where do you think that did you agree with that statement? And if so, like what what was that about or how did that show up? Oh, I think that that, that was, that's an interesting like, like how would you like intense like why would you how how are they using that to describe you high energy I, I, or, I, I, I always I always had this sense of the absurd and so during my radio career that would come out and and uh, it helped me to be entertaining on the air but I think personally and, and more privately there was a sense of seriousness uh -huh. about everything. And, and I, I can't separate that from the influence of my dad. Uh -huh. You know, my, my dad is, is, you know, he's a serious dude and right. he, he doesn't laugh much. And, um, right. It, it, so, so in any case, I, I had, you know, the upbringing that I had and I had the challenges that I had, we all right. had them for, for me, um, you know, I grew up in a family and an extended family where mental illness was, was common and, and taking prescription medications and going to therapy was common. And so it just made sense to me at 17 to go into therapy and to accept and embrace the diagnosis of bipolar and to mm -hmm. go on medications that I was told I would have to take for my whole life. And these things really shaped my sense of self in very unhelpful ways that I didn't realize mm -hmm. were unhelpful and that I didn't realize were stories that weren't necessarily true. It took me 20 years of living with that sense of self and right. taking medication every day and believing that I had a, a mental illness before eventually I began to see that actually mental well-being, mental health is innate and the experience of suffering and the challenges that we create through simply innocently misunderstanding who we really are in a spiritual sense and, sure. and the nature of how the mind works and how thought creates our experience, our perception. You know, this, this is what a new earth allowed me to first start seeing. And so over the next two years, I was able to get undiagnosed and unmedicated yeah. Right. I was not showing any more symptoms of wow. any kind of 
you know, mental illness. And so I needed to have that validated, you know, by a, a new psychiatrist that had never met me and didn't have my whole story. Just meet me where I'm at now. So, and, so, and I'm, I'm pro, you know, if needed Western medicine and Western medication, but you sound like you were able to get off of it. Yeah. I've been free from, from medication for, mm-hmm. uh, I think about 11 or 12 years That's now. Incredible. And yeah, and and you know, like I say, I see mental well-being as innate. Yeah. Um, we we develop unhelpful ways of yeah. seeing the world, of of looking at things, but we can also change the way that we look at things and understand ourselves in life. And so that began to happen for me. And I began to feel better and function better as a human. And the more I dove into laughter, yeah, the more clearly I was able to see that and kind of create my own ways of engaging with people so that they could see it too. Yeah. And it's like, take it from me, the most intense person who, you know, didn't hold it light, who used to at least hold it really heavy is now, I mean, that that's a real benefit to the client, you know, like, you can, because it's not like you were this, as you're describing yourself, you had this history of the stigmatization of the diagnosis, the childhood wounds like we all do, and sort of been through the ringer, the medication, the diagnosis, the intensity. And now um, I, I can't imagine that's such a tool and a gift to to coach people on. When you see someone else hold it so heavy, you know, you were that guy. I was, yeah, I really, <laughs> I was that guy, right? That guy. Um, but the thing that has emerged as a as a coaching premise or principle that um, all all coaches need to know, and anybody who would ever consider coaching or therapy or any other kind of you know personal growth and development approach, is that you have to see this for yourself. You have to realize insightfully who you really are and how life works and how the mind and thought is creating your experience. And the fact that laughter has just always been there. And as you experience and explore laughter as the sound of joyful breathing, you will see for yourself all of these other attributes that have also always been a part of you just simply beneath your level of awareness so you have unconditional access to unlimited laughter and you have unconditional access to unlimited creativity spontaneity resilience confidence authenticity all of these gifts that people who seek therapy or coaching often feel like they're lacking or they're seeking like, hold, hold, hold on a second. Let's, let's laugh and let's see what you notice about your access to all of these gifts because they're birthrights. You were born with them. You can't always maintain full awareness, but that doesn't change the fact that these gifts are there inside you, even when you're not aware of it. And I imagine it's a lot safer and cheaper than LSD or ayahuasca <laughs> or alcohol. <laughs> It's a, you're offering something where someone doesn't, you know, it's already there. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have everything you need already inside you and you get what you need when you need it. When yeah. you stop when you stop looking outside yourself for both explanations of your problems and solutions to them. The the explanation and solution are both one thing. It's understanding who you really are and how thought works. And I've just found through my own experience traveling the world, particularly the time I spent living in Vietnam, that the best way for me, just me, not necessarily for everybody, this is not what I say all coaches should do, this is me from my lived experience. The best way for me to help people come to understand who they are and how their mind works is to spend time laughing with them and talking about the experience of laughter afterwards, right? We can't, we can't teach people about laughing by talking about it. We have to experience the laughter and really experience a lot of it to, and, and I mean a lot like, you know, a 15 minute extended laughter break in your life is a new idea for many people. If you spend 15 minutes laughing with me, the conversation that will follow will undoubtedly include your observations of what's already there inside you that you hadn't noticed before. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I do is I help people notice what's happening inside them that they just hadn't noticed before. So laughter is a, is a teaching vehicle as well as a form of exercise and, and a, you know, uh, there's so, so many things I want to call it, you know, I mean, it, it teaches us, I say, I, I teach laughter and laughter teaches me and it goes around and around in a circle. Yeah. Well, as, as you're, as you're saying this, I'm thinking, because what are you really doing? Well, you're not just changing your state, learning this as a practice, as a skill, you're actually kind of connecting with yourself yes. and connecting with you and through the connection, Laughter is the vehicle for that connection is that's when the shift happens. Yeah. And hopefully after, you know, the work with you is, is finished, they can take it in into their life. So I mean, you and I spoke a little bit about you do support, let's say, a father or a husband to have better relationships with kids and wife and not, let's say, take the stress of work or, you know, adulting. <laughs> everywhere they go and kind of having a, a little bit more of a playful, almost learned playfulness through, through what you teach them. And I think that's super awesome. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it learned playfulness. I would say that the playfulness we're born with that we can observe in babies and children, just as we can observe their resilience when they're learning to walk. Well, let's say you teach them how, how to practice their own in need. No, no, no it's, it's not practice. Honestly, no? it's, it's exploration. Okay. Because there's not, laughter yoga is based in form. Mm -hmm. Laughter yoga is a practice. But for me, we're talking about the formless energy of life itself, you know, a spiritual understanding of the nature of who we really are. Right. And how 
thought works. So the understanding has infinitely more value than techniques. So what, what I'm doing has, has transcended the idea of a practice. Mm -hmm. It's, it's about developing this inside out understanding. Bringing awareness to what's already there. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And it, and it changes people, you know, I mean, it's changed me. We've kind of traced the trajectory of, of some of the changes in my life, but I see that it changes people and the ways that this is most obvious for dads taking life less seriously, being more present in the moment. So family time is family time and you're there and connected and work can be separate. And the playfulness of children, just being doesn't have to be um, sort of off-putting or irritating or, you know, quote unquote triggering because we understand that we're we're not actually feeling what other people are doing or saying we're feeling thought about what's happening right so laughter laughter is just you know helping us to connect with ourselves to connect with other people to develop a new understanding of ourselves in life and kind of cut uh, through that story of of yeah and it's it's brilliant for it's brilliant for you know type A overworked dads, mm-hmm. and it's also a great way for a family as a whole to have an experience playing together and then talking about the play to better understand each other. So sometimes I'll work with families or with couples um, who just want the levity of of laughing, and then they're very surprised at their own reflections that emerge from the laughing. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a good place to, uh, to wrap it up. I really appreciate it. Any, any final thoughts, recommendations, last words, words of wisdom uh, before we end? I, I would say uh, to people that my experience during this time of COVID where I've been living in Australia and, you know, totally on my own here has been very fertile creatively and spiritually for me. And I was able to write a book called Laughter Lost and Found based, based on the idea that you can both lose yourself and find yourself in laughter. So I was- Is that available, the book yet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. yeah, I wrote this book in, uh, in June and July. So on, on my website, DaveBermanCoaching.com slash found. Okay. That's where you can get the book, Laughter Lost and Found. And it's a workbook. It goes with two video classes that I did live on Zoom. So it's interactive with people. And now the replay of these videos is available with the book. And so... Um, that's a great place for people to start. And, you know, you'll see on my website other ways that we can engage. And I just would love to encourage people to laugh on purpose every day. Laughter shines your inner light on gifts you've always had, but don't always see. That's very pretty, beautiful. And for those who want to see a young Dave Berman, hear a young Dave Berman interview, Trey, search it. <laughs> <laughs> it's there yeah it's on fish.net very now cool. so 
Yeah, thank you for reaching out, David. I appreciate your this was your, this was your, good. I feel like there's a lot more. Um, yeah. I, I and we'll, maybe another time we can talk about the uh, those books that you recommended in the subtractive psychology term, which I've never heard because um, I, I love to learn about people's journeys and what influenced them. But I'm gonna I'm gonna especially uh, pro noia. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I love how this one one encounter you never saw the person again and just sort of like drops that drops that book that changes your life well it's just like the lyric from the lizards the fish song yeah. you know, the trick was just, to surrender to the flow isn't that isn't, isn't that the truth I'm, i actually have sparkle in my head during this whole conversation laughing laughing fall apart of course yeah. <laughs> had to mention that yeah and yeah. for those who don't know what the hell we're talking about that's okay <laughs> look it up look it up or it's not for you but i have so many episodes i dropped drop the fish references for um for my friends um who who are fans so hopefully we'll see uh see some shows in 2021 and enjoy your time in australia and um i don't know man it was really nice talking to you yeah yeah you too please connect with me on facebook to uh have this Big okay, cool. group called Daily Laughers. Daily Laughers. All right. Uh, that's that's where I was uh, chronicling the three and a half years of daily videos, and cool. uh, we're still we're still going strong there. That's that's pretty uh, pretty remarkable. And I um, I'll put all your stuff in the show notes. Terrific. What time you. What time is it in Australia? Is it? It's nine eighteen a.m. right now. Oh. Gosh. In about 12 minutes, we've got laughter gym. So Okay. All right. I'll let you go. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, David. Have a good day. Thanks. See you, man. Bye-bye. And there you have it, my conversation with Dave Berman. Fascinating guy. Always a pleasure to talk to a fellow fish fan. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you did too. Please consider the five-star review. It really helps. Reach out, F-U-R-T-H-U-R.coach, further.coach. Thank you again for your support. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time.